0: The good times ended about a year later when my father discovered the diary in which I had foolishly recorded the cigarettes I'd smoked, the beer I'd drunk, and my sexual adventures. He grounded me. My O levels were six months away. There was nothing to do but study for them, which I did with surprising obsession and tenacity. I passed all ten subjects with very high grades. My parents were delighted. The good times began again. King's College, University of London, had invited me to be interviewed for the place to read physics. I looked forward to the trip. The interview presented me with no worries. My mind was more concerned with visiting Soho, a place Albert had discussed at length with me on several occasions. I worked out which underground stations were close to Soho Square and killed time so as to arrive there by nightfall. I walked down Frith Street and Creek Street. I couldn't believe it. The place really was like Albert had said. There were strip clubs and prostitutes everywhere. I saw the clubs I had read about in the Melody Maker and the New Musical Express. Then the sexiest girl I had ever seen asked if I wanted to spend some time with her. I explained I didn't have much money. She said not to worry. I accompanied her to a flat. I gave her everything I had, two pounds and eight shillings. She'd just give me a little bit of what she had, but it was more than enough. King's College accepted me on the understanding I would get good enough A-levels. I'd make sure I'd get them. I couldn't wait to get back to Soho. I got grade A in each subject. Herbert John Davis, headmaster of Garrow Grammar School, had other ideas. He wanted me to sit the Oxford University entrance examination. It had been at least eight years since anyone from the Garrow Grammar School had attempted to get into Oxford. He had been successful, and was in fact the headmaster's son, John Davis, who read physics at Balliol College. The headmaster suggested that I try to do precisely that. Sometime during the autumn of 1963, I saw two examination papers sent from Oxford to the grammar school. A couple of weeks later, I was in Balliol College, waiting outside the interview room. After about twenty minutes, the door opened, and the frame was filled with the imposing figure of the ancient Greek historian, Russell Meggs. We talked at length about Welsh coal mines, the national rugby team, and the Stadford. Sometime during the first half of December 1963, a letter from Balliol arrived at my home in Wales. I gave it to my father to open. The expression of delight on his face conveyed its contents. I had been granted a place. In 1964, I began life as a fully enrolled Balliol undergraduate. Shortly afterwards, a notice appeared in the Porter's Lodge. The following gentlemen will read essays to the master on Thursday week. The subject will be the population problem. My name then followed, along with six others whose surnames also began with L, M, or N. I was not aware there was a population problem. I was very nervous. Some books were hurriedly withdrawn from the college library, and huge chunks were shamelessly copied. Someone informed me that Sir David Lindsay Kerr, Master of Balliol, used these essay readings to determine how well freshmen could hold their sherry. This gave me some comfort. Fortunately, I was not one of the three gentlemen chosen to read an essay, but I drank an enormous amount of sherry and had a long conversation with Sir David about the origins of the Welsh language, and its grammatical peculiarities. Also present at this essay reading were freshmen John Minford and Hamilton Macmillan, each of whom had a very significant effect on my life. The room next to me was far more spacious and attractive than mine. I would sometimes spend time there, often accompanied by Harold Macmillan's grandson, Joshua Macmillan, who was a very close friend of the occupant. For some reason, the room became vacant, and I took it over. My new quarters considerably enhanced my potential for entertaining guests. A few days after I moved in, Joshua visited and warned me that I would be likely to get lots of visitors in the middle of the night, particularly at weekends. The reason for this was that the bars of the window were immovable, thereby giving an extraordinarily easy access to the street. Balliol undergraduates often spoke of a character named Dennis Irvin, who had been rusticated from Oxford, and had sensibly spent his period of banishment from the city walls,